Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to truly mess up your kids. You know, it's amazing. There's a lot of debates over how to parent and, and that's as old as parenting itself. You know, if you mess up raising your kids, you know, I, I don't think whatever else you do matters very much. And just about every parent is afraid of messing up or at the very least, the kid not getting into college. You know, the bottom line is when you're raising children, what's really important to understand is it is not a perfectionistic strategy. It is good enough. And that's what you have to settle for as a parent that you do good enough. You're not a perfectionist. You cannot be perfect. Your children can't be perfect. What we want to center our parenting style on is making sure each child, as their own personality, is able to find their passions and purpose, able to find their values, and able to understand how to operate in this world. You know, so who's right out there? You know, some psychologists say nobody. Others say, you know, IQ and personality traits are the only marginally shaped by parents. For example, you know, uh, uh, there's attitudes and values and work ethic. And we do, as parents, bring that across to our children, hopefully. And arguably, just as important and more closely tied to parenting is that parents, especially mothers, know they will be blamed for their kids if they don't turn out right. And so we all worry. But uh, no, you know, I think both parents, not just the mothers, every parent should be blamed for what they do in their role in raising their children. So what's the easiest way to mess up your kid? There's one direction that says letting babies cry it out is deeply harmful. Um, Other people say letting kids have what they want all the time is the worst thing a parent can do. You know, and, and, and it's really important that, that because it's especially at first, overindulgence is easy. It's easier to let your kids sleep in the same bed as you. It's easier to uh, feed them or rock them at night instead of listening to them cry, even when they're a year old or two. It's easier not to say no and much easier to let your kindergartner stay up too late or, or not take a bath or not brush your teeth. Or, or uh, leave their homework undone instead of fighting with them. You know, a lot of people will take the easiest path. And it's also easier to tell your kid that they're special, fantastic, and wonderful, partially because that makes you feel like you are all of those things, too, as a parent. And it's in the long run that the type of parenting backfires, giving too much. And that's for two reasons. First, it fails to teach self-control, which is one of the most essential skills for success. And also, uh, a child who gets what they want and follows any whim that they have doesn't learn to delay gratification, to consider the needs of others, or to keep going when a task is difficult. The second, an indulgent parent has the potential to create narcissism, and the research on parenting and narcissism is somewhat confusing, but one clear theme is that narcissists often had parents who were overly permissive, 
put their child on a pedestal, even if it doesn't lead to narcissism, indulgent parenting causes problems almost the minute the child leaves the house and enters a world where uh, it's difficult and where accountability is everything to what it takes for us to be an adult. And as with most, most things, the best parenting is somewhere in the middle. Beating the kid or neglecting them, not a good idea. Indulging them by letting them uh, do whatever they want, also not a good thing. The middle-class American neighborhoods, uh, the latter is much more common than the former. So at least among that group, it's the, the, it is the larger problem. You can love your child with abandon, but are you still a parent? You know, that means I don't I don't think it should be controversial that in general, you should tell your kids what to do instead of having the kids tell you what they want. It's really important for us to understand that we are parents first and not best friends. You know, most parents really want to be good parents. But since it's rare for parents to take parenting classes before becoming parents, which is what they all should do in high school, and then we also should be teaching marriage in high school, but inadvertently, uh, we do a lot of things to mess up our kids. You know, uh, uh, if you want to ignore a kid crying... That tiny infant comes into the world equipped with its cry to let us know when it is distressed. And its cry is the only power that little toddler has. And a great way to create deep-seated, lifelong fear and security is to ignore the baby's cry instead of forcing the baby to follow your schedule. Babies who are left to cry may become fearful and inward. And that, my friends, is research. And I got to tell you, you know, leaving a baby to cry, that's their only voice. That's their only word. That's the only way they can communicate that they're hungry. They're tired. They're bored. They want your attention. You know, these are important things because when we are not understanding in this world in our first year of life that we are safe, we develop what's called anxious attachment our whole life. And we struggle with trust issues, which means we struggle with actually living life. We are coping with life. And if that's what you learn in your first year, unfortunately, that theme will stay with you into your adult life. There's also the need of control. Instead of following your baby's lead, be sure to impose your own wants, needs, and will and desires onto the baby and the young child. If you're going to do that, you're going to bust them up because they're never going to form their individuality. So disempowering the child by ignoring their way of being in the world, imposing your will, you know, with your anger, your disapproval, your withdrawal, you know, that that love uh, is not the kind of love that you want to teach a child, but if you want to mess them up, that's what you want to do. You want to control your child at, at least until adolescence, and then, of course, you'll likely be faced with a rebellion. And that, unfortunately, is what a lot of parents do. They want to control everything instead of give options, including the option to fail. The next way, if you really want to screw your kids up, is processed food. Make sure that you plan for your own convenience rather than your child's health. It is so much easier to just pick up packaged processed food than it is to cook wholesome food. So your children will love all the processed food and get addicted to it. And you, if you really want to mess them up, be sure to create a sugar addiction by offering them sweets for rewards. And then when they can't focus at school, when they exhibit behaviors of problems due to bouncing uh, blood sugar, you get to punish them for their poor performance and their behavior. What a win for you. Also, 
spoil or don't spoil. You know, be sure to spoil your child by substituting things for love. That's another way to screw kids up because you're too busy to be really present with your child. So you offer to buy them whatever they want. However, be sure not to spoil your children by giving them too much love and attention. We don't want to do that. You know, by giving them things instead of love and attention, you can train them to be addicted to things and approval. By not paying attention to them, you let them know that they are not worthy or lovable enough for your attention. And this way, they will be easily controlled by the need for others' approval. If you want to screw them up, there's another good way to go. Also, if you want to really mess them up, undermine their trust in themselves. Be sure to let them know that they don't know their own minds. They don't know what they want or feel. After all, you don't want them to be independent thinkers. Independent thinkers are not easily controlled, and you definitely want to keep control. So you let them know how stupid they are for their unusual ways of thinking. That's another way you could really mess a kid up. Also, hit your children to discipline them. You know, hitting your children to control and discipline lets them know that you're not to uh, to expect to be respected or treated well by others. That tells them they can be hit. It's an excellent way to undermine their sense of self. Create confusion by letting them know what that you are only hurting them because you love them. And hitting them is a great way of training them to be aggressive, especially towards others smaller than them. The other ways to screw them up is frighten them with a punishing God. Make sure that they never feel safe enough to think for themselves by instilling in them the fear of an angry, punishing God. Let them know that God is always watching them, and they will go to hell if they don't follow the rules. And then create more confusion about love by telling them that God loves them at the same time. I mean, how many more ways can we do? This is common stuff that happens all the time that just trashes a kid's brain. Also, take no responsibility for yourself as an adult. If you provide no role model of personal responsibility for your own feelings instead of being a victim and blaming others, you know, if you if you want to follow that, you will be doing all you can to make sure that your child will not know who they are and they'll always be dependent on others' approval or sense of self. You know, you'll be doing all you can do to make sure your child is addicted to food, alcohol, drugs, other forms of addicted behavior, and take away their pain of inner emptiness. Oh, that's how they will try to fill their pain of inner emptiness. Parenting is nerve-wracking. You know, you love your children. You want them to grow up to be happy, successful adults. But some days, you're just not sure how to make it happen. But what you have to understand is you're not in control of how they feel. They are. You have to engage them in their feelings, and that means allow them to feel. Have, have empathy and compassion for how they feel. Sometimes you fear that something you're doing or saying will mess them up permanently, but you know there's good news here. Part of the great parenting is to avoid mistakes. Even better news is that you don't have to discover the mistakes for yourself. You know, there's another, there's mistakes that we make that we really, really, really need to be aware of. You know, parents often mean well when they say this. They think that 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 uh, 
that they, they they're not living up to their potential. And when we tell a kid that they're not living up to their potential, they think they'll encourage your children to work harder and become more focused. Unfortunately, it has the opposite effect. It makes children feel like a failure. It also makes children feel as their parents not only don't uh, don't love them, but they only love them when they're successful and work hard. You know, a more effective approach is to encourage your children to self-reflect. After all, how they feel about themselves is more important than how others feel about them. Some parents love to scold them harshly when they make uh, unintentional mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, but when your children accidentally spill their milk or their juice or drop a plate, it's important not to overreact. You know, doing so can cause them to develop a fear of failure, and they may start to think that making mistakes is bad. So when your children make a mistake, stay calm, say something like, it was an accident, let's clean it up together. You know, let them take some accountability for it and help you. You know, if we're also going to continue to point out children's flaws, that's a great way to trash their life. Some parents continually point out the flaws. They say they're too messy, they're irresponsible, they don't work hard enough. Constant criticism results in a serious reduction of self-esteem. And so children may start to believe that they're not good enough and will never measure up to your expectations. So to motivate your children, try a little inspiration instead. Tell them what they've done well. You know, we do well when we are grateful to people. That is a magnetic feature about a human being. If they are a grateful person, they are going to be heard. You know, tell them what they've done. That's good. Let them notice, let them know that you notice their efforts in a, in a specific area and they'll feel good about themselves and they'll be more likely to repeat the behavior in the future. This is important, folks. It's so important if you don't want to screw your kids up. Also, if you're going to push academics as who they are, I only respect you if your academics are good, if your grades are good. You know, academic performance is important, obviously, to our survival, but it's not the only thing that matters. You know, constantly asking, have you finished your homework, is perceived as nagging, and it won't result in better grades, and your relationship with other children will suffer, with your children will suffer. So instead, focus on strengthening your relationship, on helping your children to develop a healthy self-esteem. You want your children to become independent, confident, and resilient adults. So foster their confidence and they'll be able to lead a meaningful and successful life. You know, uh, 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 praising them too much is also something that if you're going to do that all the time, they're going to take it for granted. You know, it's tricky. Too much praise can give children a distorted sense of self. So your children may start to feel like they're entitled to many things in life since they're so special. You know, uh, 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 saying things like good job or well done is too broad. In order to praise to be effective, what's really important is that you're very specific so your children know exactly what they've done well. That way they can repeat the action in the future. So, you know, say things like, thanks for taking the clothes out of the washing machine. That really helps me. You worked really hard on that paper. You should be proud of yourself. The more specific you are, the more effective your parenting is going to be. Also, if you're going to neglect your spouse in marriage, you, you might not realize it, but your marriage is critical to your children's upbringing. 
They are watching your every move, and they need to feel safe and secure. And if you're treating your spouse disrespectfully, you're also putting their life on the line. You're impacting their future because they're dependent on both of you. So one of the best ways you can make them feel uh, the, 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 the way is to having a loving, supporting relationship with your spouse. If you neglect your spouse in your marriage, your home environment is likely to become very tense. No matter how well you might think you're holding it together, your children know instinctively that you're a turd. And if you're going to be that way, they are going to have very little respect for you because the way you treat their your spouse is the way you feel they feel you view them. And, and it's, you know, it's really important for us to understand that our home needs to be a safe harbor. It needs to be home. It doesn't need to be your battleground for your personal unhappiness. Also, if you talk like you know better than them, no one likes to have someone talk down to them or have someone treat them as though they know better. Let's face it, your children probably know more about the latest apps, technology, pop culture, whatever, more than you do. They probably have their own experience and perspective, and they deserve to be treated with respect, and that means having a voice. If you take a humbler approach and are willing to learn from them, you'll find that your relationship will become stronger. They want to teach you. They want to share what they're learning. This is important. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk more about how to truly mess up your kids. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to truly mess up your kids. You know, there are so many ways we can do this, and there is a lot of things I'm going to cover in this show that might help you not screw up your kids, but we're taking a sarcastic approach, which is how to truly mess up your kids. You know, if you want to mess them up, don't show interest in things they care about. Sometimes the things your children care about seem insignificant, like the latest uh, 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 video game or whatever like that, or the coolest media app. These things are significant to us, but they're incredibly, they're not important to us, but they're incredibly important to our kids. And so when parents don't show an interest in things their kids care about, they feel dismissed. And they make them far less likely to turn to you when they need help. And they may assume that we're not interested in their lives, even if it isn't true. And sadly, down the road, when we're old and vulnerable, they may treat us the same way, that they could care less about what we care about. And off they go into their own life without playing a role in our life. If we're going to do that, there's a thing called emotional reciprocity, which means you get what you give. You know, protecting them from consequences of their action is another way in which parents can mess their kids up. When kids forget their homework uh, or, or something important like money, it's, it's tempting to fix the problem for them. But doing this occasionally is fine, but doing this too often can cause a lot of problems. You know, children need to learn to deal with the consequences of their action, learn from their mistakes. As adults, no one protects us or bails us out. We're forced to take responsibility for our own actions. Children learn to take responsibility when we allow them to accept the consequences. Protecting them cannot, can rob them from that valuable experience and that value of taking accountability. You know, if you don't have regular meal times, that's another way to easily screw up your kid's life. Eating together even a few times a week can reap big rewards. In fact, eating regular family meals can improve academic performance, self-esteem, and resilience. Regular meals together can lower the risk of, number one, substance abuse, number two, teenage pregnancy, depression, eating disorders, obesity. If you want your children to reap physical, mental health benefits, Aim to have a family meal at least three to four times a week so that you guys are holding each other accountable and checking in with each other. That is a good time to harmonize. It's a very important thing to do in a child's life. If you want to talk negatively about your spouse in front of them, that's another great way to screw your kid up. Trying trying not to talk negatively about your spouse in front of your children is both unsettling and worrying. You know, if you're going to talk about your spouse in a negative way, that is going to upset your children. While you don't have to agree on everything, your children need to know that you and your spouse are strong. You united couple. They need to believe you have a committed, loving relationship, and if not, they may want to start to play one parent against the other, and that, my friends, is called triangulation. And unfortunately, kids are smart. They want power, so the one thing that they are about to do, and they will do, is play one parent against the other to get their own needs met. You know, uh, if you're also trying to fulfill your own stupid dreams through your children by pushing them into basketball or football, even though they may not be good at it, you know, your children are not an opportunity for you to fill your unfulfilled dreams. They're people, they're individuals, not extensions of you. They may have many of your traits, but they don't, that doesn't mean they have to follow in your dreams. They need to follow their own dreams and live their own life, their own passion, their own purpose, their own will, their own soul living this human life. As parents, 
It's our role to support them to fulfill their dreams, not our dreams. If you're going to shame your children, and there's some, uh, uh, many Asian cultures, as a matter of fact, often shame their children. Some, but people across the board shame their children. Some people think it's appropriate to use shame as a form of punishment. And they may embarrass their children in public when they've done something wrong. This is not an effective way to teach children to behave. It leads to emotional scarring and trauma and self-esteem issues. It's also likely to result in the children repeating the behavior over and over again. Intentionally shaming your children is hurtful. So explore alternative methods of discipline. That is not a way to go, and it will permanently mark your kids for life. You know, if you want to really mess them up, set no boundaries. But here's boundaries if you want to do it in a healthy way. This is what I can do, and this is what I can't do. It's not a hard no. Most of the time, it's what I can do and what I can't do. If you want to do boundaries, that's the way to do it with children and your spouse and life in general. If you ever feel like your children argue with you about everything, it's as though everything you say needs to be disputed. You ask them to tidy something up or clean their room or, you know, they'll say, I'm busy, I'll do it later. You ask them to do their homework and they say, I have the whole weekend to do it. Why do I have to do it now? No matter what you do, they still want more freedom and independence. Boundaries are critical. You can rethink some rules as they get older, but stick to the important ones. Children need limits. There's a thing called a behavior contract and you set the consequences. Then you let them own their own discipline so you don't have to reinvent the wheel over and over and over again. Look it up on the internet. Also, if you wanna mess them up, refuse to apologize when you made a mistake. You know, one of the best things a person could do is apologize for making a mistake. It takes courage, shows that you care, and you know how to do the right thing. Even if you've had a disagreement, your child said things that were disrespectful, you'd probably had to part a part to plan it too. After all, it takes two hands to clap. You know, apologizing for things you said or did sends your child a really strong message. It shows that you're prepared to do the right thing, that you're the adult, and you are setting a role model for them. And it strengthens that relationship and it heals the pain caused by an argument. If you uh, treat each of your children equally instead of focusing on how unique they are, that's another good way to screw your kids up. You know, many times you've heard something like, it's not fair. Well, I'll tell you something. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. Life is not fair. You know, if someone has more something to drink than you do or have more something to eat than you do, uh, there's probably a reason. And if you have more than one child, it's tempting to make everything equal. The problem is that it doesn't make them feel as though they're equal. Instead, give each child what they need, not what they want, what they need. And when they complain they didn't get the same amount of, 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 let's say, juice or something, you can tell them they'll get more when they need it. Focus on their individuality and show them that they're unique and special to you. Let them know that there's no one else like them in the whole world, that each of us are different and each of us have different needs. You know, if you want to mess them up, don't involve them in the process of setting rules and boundaries. 
you know, your as your kid gets older, they need to. That's what I'm talking about the behavior contract. They need to be a part of their own discipline. They will become more independent this way and it's reasonable to involve them in setting the rules and boundaries this doesn't mean that you have to let them get their own way but it means that you just don't lay down the law and announce the rules without any discussion if you want to be a dictatorial authoritarian parent you are setting yourself up for a great rebellion in life you may think you're doing all the most wonderful things by just squashing their dreams their hopes their their moments of of of, of rising above if you want to completely destroy them, you be the authoritarian and tell them how to live. You're going to find yourself on the backside of being a parent in your old life uh, as an old fart by yourself because they're not going to be around you because you did so much damage by forcing your will on them. If you want to uh, also mess your kids up, be the one to speak all the time. You speak, they listen. Children are meant to be heard. We heard that a long time ago. That's not the case. They need to have a voice. One of the biggest mistakes parents make is to lecture, give advice, criticize instead of listening and understanding. Your biggest job in your marriage and with your children is to listen, not to be right, but to listen, especially for their feelings. You're not together with your spouse because you guys make good money or build a good life. You're with your spouse because originally you thought you guys were right for each other emotionally. The only reason you had kids together is because you felt for each other emotionally. That is the foundation, and that's what you owe your children. So you need to respect their views, their opinions, and show them that you're listening. That's where life has meaning, when we plug in in the moment and listen to what they have to feel and listen to what they have to say and validate it. Also, if you want to downplay their feelings and ignore their feelings, that's another great way to screw your kids up for life. Sometimes parents say things to their children like, uh, there's no need to feel sad. There's no reason to cry. Stop crying. This makes the children think that their feelings are not valid. And it also encourages them to suppress their feelings, which isn't healthy, and it creates a thing called passive-aggressive behavior. Passive-aggressive behavior is when somebody does something and it offends us, but we never say anything, and it just keeps happening. It's like a teapot, and eventually it blows, and when it blows, it looks crazy, so you, as a human being, all of a sudden look like the crazy person, even though you're trying to actually uh, confront something that you have not liked over a long period of time and never said anything. So now you look like the crazy one, and everybody looks at you like you don't have anything good to say, and all of a sudden you're the one who's not being heard because you're passive-aggressive. You need to learn how to talk to your emotions. Talk to, not demonstrate, talk to your emotions. I'm sad, I'm angry, I feel this, I feel that. We don't have to create verbosity in a Broadway production when we're doing emotions. We can speak to our emotions. That's what adults do in adult conflict. We do it at work. Can you do it at home? It'd be nice. You know, if we focus too much on rules while neglecting the relationship, rules and boundaries are really important, but relationships matter more. You might have a rule that light, lights out at, at, at 9 o'clock, or, or you might have a, a one night your child is still reading until 9.15. You know, the rules is important, but it's worth damaging the connection you have with your child? No! 
You know, you want to be flexible to some degree. You don't want to throw out the rule book, but you do want to maintain balance. This is what I can do. You need to go to bed at 930. You know, foster a strong parent-child relationship and your children will grow up to be happier and more successful. So if you've made some of these mistakes I'm talking about, don't feel too discouraged. But after all, great parents are always learning, growing, and improving. Curiosity is the key to living a great and wise life. Innate curiosity, innate curiosity about your kids helps them grow and grow and grow and grow in their life. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to strengthen your relationship. All you have to do is step in, take some action. There's no better time than doing it right now. You know, what makes a successful parent, you know, some of us think it's going to be simple. I imagine that, you know, we just do what my parents did. But sometimes that doesn't work generationally if you think about it. Parenting these days is full of micro decisions because we have social media. These kids are having to make decisions about a career when they have to make micro decisions. And these micro decisions are very hard for a child to make because they have to decide if they're going to be an engineer, they have to be a certain kind of engineer. They have to, they have to make uh, – if they're going to be a therapist, they have to be a certain kind of therapist. You, you can't just be – in general, if you're going to be a doctor, you got to be something specific. So the bottom line is we're asking kids to make micro decisions when back maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was go to the factory or go to college. Nowadays, it's career and it's everything, everything, everything. There's a nice book, and I, I would recommend it, that helps kids understand what they're passionate about. It's called What Color Is Your Parachute? It's a beautiful book to help kids get a direction and get on their feet in their life to know what they are passionate about and what they have purpose for. You, as a parent, are going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes, but you need to take accountability. And the other thing is uh, uh, you don't know how you're affecting your children. And if you don't have a good relationship with them, we don't realize what we're doing to our children's self-esteem over time. So what is important is we know in advance we have to talk about drug use, about sex, about petty crime, uh, uh, de depression, anxiety. These are all important discussions that we need to have as parents educating our children about what they're going to face in life and what they could face in life and what the easy uh, – the things that are going to affect them and the things that they're going to be influenced by are out there. These are family discussions, and these are important discussions we need to have with our children. If you want to screw them up and you don't want to talk about sex, you don't want to talk about drugs, you don't want to talk about mental health, if you don't want to talk about you know life in general, you don't want to talk about crime, if you're going to be a wimp as a parent, don't be a parent. There's breeding stock, which is about half of the people out there that actually make children. And then there's parents. And parents put their brain, their body, and commit themselves not as a try to be a parent. You will be a parent. And that is what a child needs, is a parent who is all in. It's just like marriage. If you're going to try to be married, you're probably going to get divorced. People that try to be married... They're just giving a half-ass effort. If, if you're going to be married and you want to get everything out of it, you better commit. It's what will or won't. Will or won't. Not try.
try is the worst word in the English language. If you're going to teach it to your children, if you're going to make it an important word that you use in your life, they're going to pick up on that, and their whole life is going to be a try. Try, try, try until I can't trust anymore. It's a terrible way to live. We need to live a faith-filled, committed life, not a fear-filled, catastrophized life where we predict disaster at every turn. You know, the kids who say their parents value success over decency are the ones who get in trouble. Connect your words with your actions. Stop. Help a stranger. Show sympathy for people who are worse off. Treat people with respect when you have nothing to gain. This is a lesson they need to learn, that it's not just success. It's about success as a human being and being there and having empathy and compassion for others. That doesn't mean you're going to be uh, uh, taken, you know, they're always going to be taken for granted, but they have to know that they need to contribute to life as a person. You know, uh, if you're going to think your kid's going to be the next superstar, you know, if we think we're there that and we put that in their head, that's great that we're encouraging them. But we also have to know that they're a human and that they have human problems and they have vulnerabilities. So we want to create a path that may develop them. And if they decide they want to go for excellence, they want to go be that pro baseball player or whatever, pro football Fine, go do it. I want to support you. But the motivation has to come from your kid. And motivation comes from feelings and emotions. So when kids are well tied to their feelings and their emotions, they have big motivators to do big things in life. And sometimes people that have access to big emotions that who may not have access to as many resources as other people will outperform others because they simply have the will to get things done. That's an important thing to remember in life. You know, we want to keep a good perspective. Too often, like youth sports programs exist and they separate parents from their money without concern for the needs or interests of the participants. You know, kids play to have fun, to be with friends, maybe just because they like the uniforms or, or they just they like the, the contact with other kids. You know, other kids may be playing for winning, you know, and that's great. But life is not always about winning. Life is about meaning and purpose and connecting. That is what life is. That's how we create a meaningful life. And that is how we leave legacies behind is by connecting and creating memories with other people. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue going down this path of how to truly mess up your kids. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley 
as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to screwly, truly mess up your kids. You know, parenting is a tough job. However, you know, some of your kids' behaviors are going to be over the top, and that's fine. But when we use words as labels on our children's life, that can be extremely uh, devastating to them. If you label them, for instance, as something like dramatic when they're they're trying to express themselves, that can have serious long-term consequences in them. In, in terms of how they express themselves. Now, you know, children look to their parents to learn how to manage emotions. So if parents teach them that their feelings are silly, they will grow into adults who believe that their feelings don't matter. If you tell them things, and I've done this, tell them things like, you're selfish. While all kids can behave selfishly from time to time, telling them they're inherently selfish can cause lifelong trauma. It's important that parents are clear that they are disappointed with the child who who they are as a person in something that they've done. This is a type of clarifying language is very important. You can't just leave an open statement like you're selfish and not clarify it. You were selfish because you did this and this is what's selfish about it, blah, blah, blah. Be very specific. Don't give these big labels to your kids, you know, telling them that they don't feel the way they feel. Even if your kid is saying something that you believe is less than completely true, like I hate you, it's still important that you don't try to dismiss their feelings. You know, if you don't, you don't feel that way is one of the worst things parents can say to their children. So if you want to screw them up, tell them you don't feel that way, you know. You know, you want to validate feelings. I understand. I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry you feel that way. That's important. That's validation. That's what we need to do for our kids when they're feeling. You know, uh, uh, if you're going to be a parent that says, I wish you've never been born. And I can't tell you how many times people have heard this in their childhood. And then they live into that for the rest of their life. You know, uh, I wish you'd never been born. Really? Why would you say that? No matter how frustrated you are with your kid, it's never acceptable to go as far as telling them that you wish they'd never been born. I've known people who've been told this and were scarred for life. When you're feeling frustrated enough to say something like this, simply remove yourself from the situation until you've cooled down enough to respond, not react, in a more level-headed manner. Our best decisions are made when we respond and logically 
rather than make a decision to say something stupid while we're reacting. That is an adult. That is what adults do is they respond. They don't react and make stupid decisions. You know, why can't you be more like your sibling? If you want to create a sibling rivalry, it's just another part of growing up in many families. But when parents actively promote it between their children, it's always damaging. Now we have the good and the bad, the damaged kid and the one that's perfect. Great. If you want to cause a child to believe they're not good enough at their core or who they are, they're defective in some way. Whatever they do in life to be successful will never set up to what their sibling has done. You know, if you want to cause that kind of conflict by putting one kid on a pedestal, you've destroyed life relations with those siblings likely for the rest of their life. Also, saying things like you're stupid, unless you want to permanently harm your relationship with your kids, don't ever tell them that they're stupid. You might be saying it in moments of frustration or anger, but the injury can last for years and it can shift a child's core beliefs about themselves in a negative direction. Also, this always made, was bizarre to me when I was younger. You're the man of the house, even if it meant it in a joking way, or you're the woman of the house. You know, telling that to your kids, if you say that to your son, you can put an undue burden on your kid, especially when they're already dealing with the stress of maybe a family split. You know, the bottom line is you're telling them now you have to be an adult. Well, they're kids. Why can't they just be kids? If you're going to get divorced, focus on your children. Don't focus on yourself. They're the, they're the victims. They're the ones that are the victim of the divorce because you're too selfish to let yourself be in the marriage and to, set, to be able to su sustain the ability to step into the marriage and take accountability for who you are in the marriage. If that's the case, and believe me, there are toxic relationships. There are reasons for divorce. But you have to remember your kids are the victims. That's the bottom line. If you also want to mess them up, uh, you know, tell them that there's no dessert until you finish dinner. Of course, you don't want your kids to waste food, but enforcing the clean plate club rule at your house can have serious ramifications in your kids' uh, eating habits later on. If they're going to eat everything on the plate, they might become as big as a barn. And so you need to be really careful about how you deal with that. You know, you're already having difficult getting your kid to eat their food, but it actually increases your child perceived threat and creates an increase of power differential. You know, tell the children that can choose to have dessert if they choose to finish their, some of their food first. And if there's food they won't eat, give them a one bite rule. Just eat one bite. That's it. One bite. And then have a consequence if they don't. Also, telling kids to hurry up, it may be frustrating to have your kids uh, take forever to get out the door, but telling them to hurry up isn't actually going to motivate them. You know, the phrase, hurry up, creates more stress and anxiety. You know, who are most likely uh, already doing their part is best to find their shoes to get out the door. You know, if you want to motivate your kids by making a game of who can get ready fastest, if you want to set your kids up for success, start by imparting, you know, life skills. And you might want to study what life skills are that you want to teach your parents, like how to brush your teeth, how to take care of yourself, how to groom, how to not smell, how to take a bath, you know, where to clean, what to clean, why to clean, hygiene. You know, while you might not be a fan of your your kid's hair or their nose ring, when you start a conversation with an accusatory question, you're shutting down communication right off the bat. If you're going to ask them, what did you do to yourself? 
That's a terrible thing to say to your kid. Your child will constantly feel judged and not good enough. Children can believe that if they're not good enough for their parent, they will be not good enough for anyone else. If you're going to tell your kids, stop crying, these are other words that really mess a kid up. Have you ever been told to stop crying? Did it ever work? It could be confusing to them to hear that what they're feeling isn't okay and can also make them less likely to want to come to tell you how they're feeling in the future. If they're struggling, you know, don't be a baby. You know, maturity comes from experience, not, not, not from telling your kids that they're acting immature. You know, come on now. Saying things like, like that can be damaging to a kid because it's invalidating their feelings. You know, it teaches your child that their feelings don't matter. Or even telling them, you're the best at that. Telling your kids that they were already the best can be more problematic than not praising them at all because now they feel like they're the best and every time that they're beaten or every time that they do something that lesser than someone else in that area, they're going to feel less and less and less about themselves. So that kind of pressure can it, it, to be the best, to be constantly accelerating is a major contributing factor to childhood anxiety and can lead to fear of failure, worries about disappointing you, and an unwillingness to try new things. Telling a kid, this is, and I hear this all the time, you were an accident. Even if your kids weren't planned, telling them that that, that can cause long-lasting scars. Adding, we love you anyway, doesn't help. So, you know, people want to be loved straight up without some disclaimer we don't need to know if we weren't planned. You know, telling telling somebody you're okay when somebody's hurting or crying, that can often feel like an automatic response. However, whenever possible, avoiding uttering the phrase for your kids, telling your kids that something does not hurt when it does challenges their reality. They need permission to exist, to be who they are, to feel, to think, to make mistakes. That's how we learn experientially. We learn from experience. That is what makes us who we are. When you tell a kid, why can't you do anything right? Well, it may sound like a question. That's more of an accusatory statement and the one that, that won't likely yield a positive response. Parents who say this to kids are surprisingly surprised when they can't get their adolescents to do anything. Why can't you do anything right? Well, because I can't do anything right. So I'm not going to do anything. Geez, you really want to program your kid that way? Or if you want to tell them this one, this is a real good one. I don't believe you. If you want your kids to feel comfortable opening up, it'd be smart to start some form of acceptance and belief when they try to tell them something. When you make this kind of statement, I don't believe you, you initiate distrust by assuming your child is lying, and this can severely damage your relationship. Here's another one. Why did you do that? If you're going to ask a kid, why did you do that? You're probably going to get them to lie to you. And that's not good. You're teaching them to lie. Why is a motive-based question. If you're going to interrogate people, that what you want to understand is the process that led to the decision, not the decision judgment itself. What made you decide to do this? How did you decide to do this? What and how? Not why. Why did you do this? That's a moralistic question. Of course they're going to lie to you because they think you already have the answer. You know, nobody wants to deal with that. But if you're a parent that goes to the why, you're teaching your kids to be a liar. You know, if you tell them there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, you're dismissing their feelings. But you're sending the message that something is wrong within them. 
when you tell them there's nothing to be afraid of. You can be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. If you're going to tell a kid that they're lazy, you know, do kids act lazy? Sure. However, telling a kid that they're inherently lazy will only make them feel like there's nothing they can do to change it. Because you've labeled them as lazy, they will become lazy since that's what you taught them is okay. You know, if that's how you're going to judge them, that's the level that they're going to go to. You should never give your child a label. It's a terrible thing, and it can be used as a form of a picture or identity of themselves that leaves out so many other pieces of who that child could be or is. And you have to give them a hug or a kiss. If you have to give them a hug or a kiss, you know, you know, if you don't want to, if you want your kids to be affectionate towards friends or family members, pushing them to give hugs or kisses is also respectful of their personal boundaries. Forcing that kind of thing is not a good thing. Insisting they conform to others' wishes regarding personal space, the expression of affection, can translate into poor boundaries in future situations, which could lead to actually more dangerous sexual uh, encounters and negative consequences. When you compare them to friends, your friends don't do what you're doing. If you want your kid to avoid peer pressure at school, you can't pressure them to do things by comparing them to their peers. You know, over, over time, this reduces their self-esteem, their, their, their personal sense of agency. It, it fosters unhealthy competition with other kids. Not a good thing. You know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. That's another statement. Making your children second guess their own choices, especially with language that seems threatening, can have a long, serious consequences. You know, uh, you should have done better. Sure, your kid could have gotten an A instead of a B plus, but telling them their efforts weren't enough can make them feel bad about their abilities. Why don't you express what they did do well, what they did do well, and what they could build on? Also, another good way to mess a kid up is telling them they should be ashamed. Your kid is bound to feel ashamed from time to time, but it doesn't, and it shouldn't be because you tell them they should feel that way. You know, Albert Ellis used to say, you're shooting all over yourself, or you're masturbating. If that's what you're going to do to your kids, that shaming comes from a place of entitlement that your feelings are more important than your child's. You know, a distressing or frightening experience, a label by your parents can cause trauma. And you need to remember that the words and the actions of the sensitive individual that you are raising, that kid is learning from you. You are a role model. And if you're gonna go to easy labels and stupid sayings and you're not gonna clarify and you're not gonna go down to details about what you're really talking about and you're just gonna glance over with vague statements, those statements matter. Those Things matter to your kids, and they affect them for the rest of their life. And it's very important for us to take accountability as parents and to do as much damage control as we possibly can in order to help our children. All right, that's our show. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. I love hearing from you, and you can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. To Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We also have a new Facebook page if you want to check that out. And you can contribute to our show via our webpage on Voice America via the link section. Now remember, there is Mr. and Mrs. Wright. And then once married, there are Mr. and Mrs. Always Wright. <laughs> also, when you're right, no one remembers. When you're wrong, no one ever forgets. Also, 
Cremation is our last hope for a smoking hot body. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 